Neil and I were chatting last night about some Christmas memories, and uh, one of the great revelations, which is no revelation at all, really, is that for many of us, there is a nostalgic component to Christmas and to our celebrations. We come to hear the familiar hymns. We come to be reminded of Christmas, Christmas has gone by. We call to mind those who are no longer with us. We think of the traditions in our own particular families, and so on. The Vale family was, I think, typical of most families in a small town. My parents went all out at Christmas. Now, mind you, we didn't get a toy between one Christmas and the other, and we didn't get any new clothes except when school started up for the year. So getting something under the tree was a real treat and not just an occurrence to keep us quiet in the department store. So we would get up, and I remember Mum would get up a little earlier and plug the tree in so that when we walked in, there were these twinkling lights and this mound of wrapped presents under the tree and our stockings overflowing on the couch. We couldn't hang them on the mantelpiece. We had to hang them on the couch because there was no mantelpiece. And so we'd start ripping through them. And it looked like a good nor'easter pass through by the end of the morning, well, within 30 minutes or so. Paper everywhere, boxes everywhere, bits of styrofoam, people crying out that they'd lost some little piece of their Lego set, or they couldn't find the batteries for their toy, and all those wonderful things that my bleary-eyed, coffee-desperate parents had waited for for a whole year. Well, things change as we get a little older, don't they, in terms of the focus of Christmas. And as our children grow up, and all they do is grunt from the bed when we try to get them up to open their presents, or they leave the home and move on, Christmas begins to take on a new meaning and a new significance. And sometimes the nostalgia becomes more important than ever at that time. These services of worship, when you think about it, are really aimed at unwrapping the gift which is Christmas. Not as quickly and as voraciously as the little veil kids did, but in a careful way, picking off one corner with a specific hymn, unfolding a piece of paper with a reading or an introit, the homily trying to do something to shed light on the light of the world, that we might understand the significance of the gift, the true gift of this day. I don't know if you've had the opportunity to go see our creche display. You may or may not know, but just behind us in the Cathedral Center basement, we have a museum. And for the next two Sundays, it's not packed up quite yet. And if you want to make an appointment during the week, you certainly can. I would encourage you to go have a look at that creche display. I found it deeply meaningful personally in terms of unwrapping the gift, which is Christmas. I was really struck as I walked 
from crash to crash, just how different they all were, and yet somehow they were all the same as well. It was wonderful to see how each culture was reflected in its own particular depiction of the birth of Christ. A piece of rabbit skin here, a little bit of clay shaped and painted bright colors over there, something carved out of wood. In the French ones, the various village folk from modern day are depicted, like newspaper reporters and artists alongside the shepherds and the Holy Family. That was a reminder to me about the timelessness and the universal application of the Christmas story in human life. Which one of us doesn't need to know the story about God being with us? Which one of us doesn't need to be reminded of the story that God is not only with us, God is for us? And if God is for us, what can be against us? That is the timeless gift that we begin to see if we slowly unwrap the Christ child from his swathing bands. As cracks begin to appear and his puffy little flesh is there, light beams out and shines into the darkest corners of human life to illuminate and to liberate and to set free and to heal the deepest darkness and sadness and despair of humanity, to bring to reality things like mercy, to bring into being things like peace, to shine upon a divided world the unifying love which is the heartbeat of our Savior and of our God. That's the gift that we unwrap this day. You know, when I was a little boy, we didn't really go to church much, but we went enough to know a few little phrases. And when my mother asked me to share, I used to quote Jesus to my poor little mother and say, well, Jesus says it's more blessed to receive than to give. And she said, Stephen, you've got that the wrong way around. What Jesus actually said is it's more blessed to give than to receive. And I was like, oh, she's right, isn't she? So I reluctantly would hand over a candy cane or something along those lines to one of my annoying sisters. You see, the story can become meaningless if the river, which is the living water of Christ, meets a dam, which is the selfish heart of humanity. We need to immerse ourselves in this story, not just to walk in up to our ankles, but to keep going until the living water pours over us and fills us and carries us along. 
Some of you have probably visited the Holy Land and dipped your toes in the Dead Sea. Well, I did that, and I remember the first time people saying to me, you know, you can't stand up in the Dead Sea. There's too much salt, and all you can do is float. So, of course, being competitive, I wanted to see if I could stand up longer than anybody else and prove this little thing to be true or false, because surely if you tried hard enough, you could stand up. Well, you can't. So I walked in, and I got up to my ankles, which is no mean feat. And then I got up to my knees, and then I got up to my hips, and thank goodness it was warm enough. And then I got up to my belly, and then all of a sudden my feet went out from under me, just on their own. And poof, it's like I was sitting in a lawn chair on the Dead Sea, floating there not having any choice unless I sort of paddled my way back a little closer to stand up. Carried along. I tried by my own steam to do it one way, but this sea would have it its way. And that got me thinking a little bit about how that is when it comes to living the story of God's redemption in Christ living the truth and the grace, which is God incarnate, Jesus Christ. That unless we truly try to live those things, today can be a meaningless day, which is nothing but nostalgia, when what it's meant to be is a time of transformation, when we get carried away by love and grace and truth. As I was floating away there, I got to thinking about where the water came from. You all know it comes from the Sea of Galilee probably, right? And it floats down along through the mucky and fairly disgusting, although it sounds pretty in the Bible, River Jordan, and lands in the Dead Sea. And I heard a Baptist preacher on the shore saying this. I won't take credit for what he said. Which is that all that the Sea of Galilee does is give. Water just pours out of it down the Jordan. And all that the Dead Sea does is receive. Take, take, take. With nothing going out of it anywhere. One of them is full of life, and the other cannot sustain life. So today, my prayer for all of us, if we want to make a difference in our world, is that we open up our hearts, not let them be closed inns where there is no room for Jesus, but open them up to truly receive the glorious gift of this day, and then leave them open so that what pours out of them is love for our neighbor, love for our enemies, reconciliation and peace, mercy shown to those who are less fortunate than ourselves. That is the living water that leads to life, 
whereas to take and to take and to take and to hold on to leads to something quite different. So celebrate Christmas by living the message of Christmas, by being Christ's light in this world. That's what we are called to do, not just in this one season, but throughout our whole lives, to be ourselves the embodiment of God and the unwrapping for others of this glorious gift. Amen.